Welcome back, everybody. Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Alejandro, how are you? Doing great. Thank you for being with us. So Alejandro Arenas is back with us on a topic that he is calling, well, it's a two, it's the second of a two-part series, maybe more, maybe a three-part or a four-part, who knows, musical composition approaches and ideas, part two. This is the second bass player we've had today talking about uh, musical composition and charts and stuff like that. Alejandro, we had Brandon Robertson on earlier today with a, a pretty cool topic. Oh, so that's it's awesome. Kind of a neat, it's a neat theme for, the, to, for today. Bass players talking about composition. I like it. <laughs> so we have um, uh, participants, as usual, are muted upon entering into these sessions. But if you have questions, don't hesitate to use the chat feature and we'll get those to Alejandro. And we hope you're taking advantage of all the recorded materials that we have on clearwaterjazz.com. The studio, which is brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Steward Partners, is an archive of all the past recorded video sessions. And you can listen to all these sessions as well as some other programs we have on a podcast called the Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions Podcast. That's sponsored by Marine Max Clearwater, our great longtime partner. So as always, send your feedback or any future session topics you might have to info at clearwaterjazz.com and we will see what we can do. So let me tell you a little bit about Alejandro, turn it over to him. He's been a regular part of the, these sessions. If you, if you can, uh, check out the studio, you're gonna see a bunch of sessions in there that he has done in the past already. There was a bass styles series where he did an approach to playing swing, funk, and more, an approach to playing Brazilian and Latin grooves. He did a more technical session on sound from pickups and amps to technique and more, a history of rhythm section focus with his colleagues uh, 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 the, with La Lucha, and then harmony, a bass perspective, Musical Composition Part 1, Approaches and Ideas, today's Part 2, and then another great one, Fun with Arranging, Reimagining Existing Composition, which is something he has great experience with. So Alejandro was born in Colombia, where he started his musical career playing flamenco and classical guitar. He picked up the bass while he attended college in Bogota, where he performed in the salsa and Andean music ensembles, as well as the school's orchestra. During his high school years, he performed with different independent bands with styles ranging from salsa, blues, rock, and heavy metal. Upon graduating high school, he moved to Gainesville, Florida. There he worked as a freelance musician while being exposed to different genres such as reggae and jazz and funk. He earned an AA in music studies from Santa Fe Community College where he worked unpacking books in the morning, studying during the day, and playing gigs by night. In the midst of this chaotic time in his life, he developed a deep love for jazz, which drove him to learn to play the upright bass. He holds a Bachelor's of Music in Jazz Performance and a Master of Music from the University of South Florida. During his studies at USF, he toured Italy, France, Germany. He did that with the Jazz Ensemble Number no. 1 and the Jazz Tet performing at different jazz festivals. In addition to being an adjunct professor for 
the Mira program at St. Petersburg College, Alejandro was very active as a versatile performer, working with many artists. He also co-leads the award-winning group La Lucha, who, by the way, have a new album recently out. Please check that out wherever you stream your music or go to La Lucha's website. It is called Everybody Wants to Rule the World. La Lucha has already been a guest with us, and this is Alejandro's I don't even know what appearance with this program in the virtual sessions, but we are always happy to have him as being a wonderful addition to this growing treasure. Alejandro, welcome back, my friend. The stage is on. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I'm always glad to be back. And uh, yeah, this is a part of a, this is the first um, two-part series I've done. Uh, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the kind of topics that we've talked about, that I have talked about in the past, you know, they, they, we can certainly go deeper, you know, they're, that's the beauty and also frustrating part about music. You can study it forever and never feel like you've gotten to the point <laughs> where you want to be. But um, that's the beauty of it. It, it, it. It's it's more positive than negative. You know, you have certain days where you feel like, oh, okay, maybe I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then there's days that you feel pretty good about yourself. And, and so so it goes, you know. So the grind happens in any sort of job that you're doing really that there's days that you want to do it there's days you don't want to do it but that being said um since we're going to talk about composition today um it's a good you know so i'm going to mention some things that i mentioned on the first part you know kind of con diving a little bit deeper into some of the concepts and we're going to talk about a few new things but uh it's all connected and that's that's kind of a a, a a good segue because with music everything is connected to a certain extent so as as a performer mainly you know I, I'm, I'm mostly uh, a performer people call me to be a sideman I also co-lead co La Lucha as Steve mentioned and I kind of have to wear a bunch of different hats whenever I play with different groups and the beauty of that is that I get to learn firsthand from a lot of those musicians. Uh, I also get to play a lot of original music that's written by other people. Um, so that I love playing original music because I absorb some of that myself for my own compositions and my own learning and my own approach to music. So being able to, to kind of navigate that area of being a performer but also writing your own music is great because like i said it's all connected we're all part of the uh the music cosmos if you will or the universe <laughs> in any case without getting much deeper or esoteric than that um speaking of getting information from other people and absorbing that so that's a vital thing of being a composer developing your own sound saying what it is that you want to say as a musician um especially in, in occasions that you may be you know like i'm a bass player so a lot of the times my compositions don't necessarily feature the bass as the lead voice uh there's a lot of bass players that write music on the bass for the bass to be the 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 lead voice but i i rarely find myself doing that um i've always seen the i've always enjoyed playing the bass in an ensemble situation and i love the interaction with other musicians or what each person brings to the table 
And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the bass being a lead instrument. There's certainly fantastic musicians and bass players that can do that really well. Um, but a lot of the times I have to put myself in that, you know, I'm providing a fo the foundation to whatever it is. And yes, a lot of my music starts with the bass um, as the foundational element, and then I can build stuff on it. But one of the elements that I talked about last week, uh, so not last week, but the last uh, class was um, coming up with a melody by itself without any context, sometimes without meter, sometimes without harmony, uh, sometimes without either one of those things, just a melody. Um, you know, it can be a series of notes of any sort, uh, just, you know, you can start with just quarter notes and then change it. So the, the, that's kind of an exercise, but I talk about that on my, on the first session a little bit, but what I wanted to expand with, uh, mentioning influences is that to develop your sound, um, you imitate. You know, it's, it's well known with certain, with some famous composers that they, you know, I don't want to use the term, um, what's the term, uh, what's the proper term? They borrow. <laughs> they borrow from other composers. Um, so I think borrowing is great as long as it's not plagiarizing. Um, because there's giants that came before us that have written incredible music and by studying them and borrowing from their ideas it is that we that we do what we do so it it's the same thing as an instrumentalist or a performer of any sort really um you learn from other people and by imitating initially or borrowing from those ideas you create your own sound it's very much like that for um writing music so specifically you know melodies so one good way uh, something that I like to to do to kind of inspire myself and not you know like I mentioned I'm not I'm a bass player and I rarely use the bass as a lead instrument and part of what part of the reason for that is because I don't write a lot of melodies on the bass and part of the reason I try to I don't purposely avoid it but I usually go to the keyboard which is an instrument I'm not as well versed on um, and I do that purposely because it allows me to think of melodies in a different way. In other ways, in other words, on the bass, I'm much more comfortable with what I'm doing. So I'm going to gravitate towards things that I already know how to play. So there's going to be a lot of patterns that are already in my fingers. And by default, I, I catch myself kind of doing very similar melodies or very similar things. So one way for me to get away from that is go to an instrument that I don't know that well, that I can still produce sound on, but um, force myself to, not force myself, that's a terrible thing to say, but try to play around and see what kind of melodies uh, show up. So for example, with the keyboard, everything's laid out for you. Um, the difference with the bass, the certain intervals are actually harder to play on the, on the keyboard. Um, so some of those things are easier on the bass. So you're not going to tend to go to play that on the keyboard by default, if that's something that you're used to doing. It's just but each instrument has different patterns that you can that you can play around with. So um, to me, one good idea is to go to, like I said, the keyboard, if that's not your main instrument and 
figure out a way to create melodies that are, you know, sometimes I just sit down and just start playing random stuff to see if something comes out. Another thing that I mentioned, a, a way to, to create melodies is away from the instrument is actually to sing something. If you get an idea in your head or something like that, just sing it and record it. Like I said, I covered that on my first topic. But that's, you know, the melody is every, I, I focus a lot on the melody because of that. Now, melodies, you know, I find myself being inspired by um, a lot of music of my, that I grew up with. Uh, or music that I'm listening to at the moment. So, like I say, I'm, I'm, I try not to. I, I hope I'm not plagiarizing. I certainly, if I have, <laughs> I haven't done it on purpose. But you know, um, there was a funny story of uh, Benny Benny Golson talking to Horace Silver. It's it's on a DVD about uh, a great day in Harlem. But um, he talks about like, oh man, you know, don't you hate when. You have this beautiful melody in your head. You, you know, it's, it's like in your dreams and you wake up, you write it down and you just realize that it was, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, alone together, you know, some standard that, that already exists and you just kind of rewrote it by accident. So that can happen, you know, that's, uh, you've, you, you, you're all familiar with uh, kind of high profile cases of plagiarism recently. So. Um, but the ideas that I try to get from that uh, are, are, you know, whatever sticks in my head, you know, some things that are, that I enjoy listening from those styles of music. So in my particular case, one thing that keeps kind of popping out as I get older is I didn't, in, I grew up in Colombia and I didn't really grow up listening to a lot of like the music of my country, um, because it's there that it just kind of happens that. It's everywhere, so you cannot hear it. It's nothing, you don't realize how special it is. And when I moved to the United States, I kind of started revisiting that music and realized how rich it was and how much um, identity that music has based on the culture and the rhythms and all that stuff. So I found myself kind of looking at that, at those styles and writing, trying to use some of those styles with the way I grew up. So. The way I find that balance um, a lot is using some of the jazz harmony, of course, um, which is all, always really cool because with her jazz, jazz harmony, you can create a lot of uh, thicker chords and, and, and richer textures. Um, but sometimes I use kind of try to use catchier melodies or, or things like that. Um, and then also some of the rhythms because that's that's kind of a good balance between all those things that are who they made me and another thing that i grew up playing a lot of heavy metal <laughs> so sometimes i find myself playing like these metal sounding riffs um and i just include them into some of my compositions you know some of them i've had like you know i wrote this song 25 years ago when i used to be in a metal band and I still remember the riff and you know, I never did anything with it. So I, I inserted in certain compositions. So for example, I'll show you a little thing. This is a, a song that I wrote uh, a few years back. It's called El Juego. Um, and it's, it's kind of a hybrid groove. It, it kind of, it's not really a cumbia, but it's, um, it's just a little bass. It started with a bass and I just wrote this simple melody around it. And it just kind of became this whole thing. Um, 
And then there's a section, I'm going to kind of fast forward to that section where it, it was actually a riff from a metal band that, it, of, that I used to be in that I wrote a song for. So let me see, I'll play a little bit from the beginning here. Um, let me see, make sure this is sharing. That little run that I had there at the end, that was actually, you could play that with distortion on an electric guitar, it sounds, it's very metal. <laughs> uh, and that's where I got that little run from. Um, and then there's a, a, a part, let me see at the end. Yeah, this part, I'm gonna play a little bit back here. Sorry, I don't know the, the marking here, but. That was the other part of the riff. It's like this. So it's just like a, 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 a kind of a recycled <laughs> riff that I had. Um, but I I don't like, you know, I always like this. So I don't like to get ideas go to waste. So sometimes you'll find that, that you can write snippets of songs and you never realize what may actually, what you may be able to cut and paste together. In fact, you know, in the pop world, there's a lot of people that work that way. Um, there's a lot of producers that create beats and stuff like that. And then they end up piecing things together. They kind of have a catalog of things that they've, do they've done. And say like, oh, you know, you remember that beat we did, you know, two years ago for this that we never used? I think that would work for the bridge of this song or something like that. That happens. Um, especially with technology, it's a lot easier to change keys or different things like that. So it's a completely different, it's its own kind of art form. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put it down because there's very, very talented people that are able to do that. Um, and actually, speaking of technology, I think that's a great way to, to kind of test out your songs if you're not sure about how certain things are going to sound together and you don't have a band to run it with. Definitely, uh, you know, use some multi-tracking, you know, nowadays there's, you know, GarageBand or Logic or a bunch of different things that you can actually record some of the, some of the parts and hear it. Or even if you're notating it on Finale or Sibelius, you can import the MIDI to get better sound from instruments into like a DAW. So there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it. I mean, I, I, you know, there's, there were composers that used to write stuff on napkins, you know, like I remember reading about Duke Ellington just being in a train and he would just write stuff on a piece of paper, you know, that he had ideas, which is awesome, you know, but we also have the technology, you know, I think Duke may have used a MacBook with 
crash band or something if he had it who knows i'm not you know i'm i probably there's some people out there raging now about me saying that probably but in any case <laughs> um yeah, use use the tools that you have at your disposal to to create music. You know, whatever the music may be. Uh, you know, I know I've I've tried to do that where where I've I've created demos of just simple things because I want to I want to hear how those things sound together. Um, and sometimes I play all the parts just to get a human feel and not necessarily uh, the finale or 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 a notation software playing it back for for you in awful MIDI sound. So. You know, I, I got my workstation with with a keyboard. I got my bass handy. You know, you can see electric upright bass back there, and, and I have a few other things. You don't want to see the rest of the room is is a mess. But there's a drum set over here. I don't play that as much, but sometimes I get the idea. So it's cool to have the tools to try to 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 come up with something. So you know, going back to that composition that I was showing you, uh, it, that again, it's it's ideas that I collected throughout the years and and I, I had an idea and I was able to insert it there in a like kind of for a drum solo um, so that was that I used some of my past influences and some of my kind of like uh, Latin background uh, and and some of the jazz harmony uh, to create something that is uniquely mine I like to think about it that way, for better or worse, you know, whether you love it or not. Because <laughs> that's the other thing. Composition is completely subjective. You know, your music is going to sound different to every person. Every listener listens to the music. They hear the music differently. I think we, we talked about one in one of the past sessions about nostalgia and how you listen to a recording. I think it was on the arranging session. I think Steve asked a question at the end, and we talked about that, how listening to an original recording of something makes you feel and there's all sorts of emotions attached to that feeling so the same same thing is going to happen with your own music eventually that those emotions are going to be hopefully um good emotions are going to be attached to that um for somebody however i think it's very important to write something with a purpose to be able to you know, if you want to write an ugly song about an ugly subject because that's what you want to say, do it, but do it with conviction. You know, like, like to me, it was the, the famous story of uh, the Rite of Spring um, of uh, Stravinsky, you know, that people rioted because it was like, they're like, this can't be music, you know, and all that stuff. And now it's a classic, you know. So, yes, sometimes people will have reactions that you don't expect but you know that's one of the things that um i think it's important to note as far as music if you're giving i i think it's better to give somebody a re a, a, a feeling to have a reaction to your music than not have one at all you know if if you just kind of if if you make good music to be ignored then you know that's fine, you know, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it'll appeal to some people, but there's some people are going to have positive thoughts about it, positive uh, uh, feelings towards it, and there's people are going to have negative feelings towards it. So, but I think the most important thing is to have, uh, like I said, purpose, do it with conviction, whatever it, it is that you choose to say with your composition, make sure that it is something that, that you are, that you, you do want to say. 
that and again and also be ready to maybe people to think of it as like oh is this a depressing song is this is this song sad to you it, it's, it makes me happy you know that's the thing that's the, the old joke about um some brazilian music like the happiest songs are the saddest ones and the the the, the slow kind of depressing ones are the happiest ones so again it's culture you know um so that's that's a you know using your music however you want to you know so another thing that i was going to talk about theory uh, and using theory to write music i find this a lot in jazz and i find this i've, I've and i've done it before myself where i've kind of like oh i like this sound i'm gonna write a song with this sound so kind of the sound came before the song and i write something around it and cool you know you can make it you can craft something good that way um i these days i tend to gravitate more towards if if an idea pops in my head i i, I try to I used to write a lot, and I think I mentioned this in the past, I used to write a lot in, in bit, like bit by bit, you know, like I would get an idea, kind of like almost arrange every instrument around four bars and then write the next four bars. And, and the issue that I kept finding is that sometimes those things didn't necessarily match. They didn't flow very well. Um, my phrases were too short. So I started writing, trying to write longer phrases at a time um and by the same time technology was kind of a hindering me because i would kind of rely on notating those short phrases before i forgot them instead of kind of like learning to play my own song my own song before notating it so it sounds kind of odd but it but it was something that i realized that was affecting the way the flow of the of the music because when you're writing bit by bit you may go back to realize that okay this your your ear gets used to hearing that idea over and over and over and then it starts connecting things differently so it's it's good to let your ears rest and go back and say like oh does this make sense you know again that's the advantage of recording something too even if it's a like, really rough demo is that you can listen back to it and say oh okay you know this makes sense together or like why did i decide to do this um you know and it's okay to revise yourself but it also if you find that that your ear at some point was was taking you someplace that the next you may feel a little bit uncomfortable about you know, maybe there was a reason for that so again it's all subjective you know that that's kind of the issue with composition that's why after thousands of years of writing music we're still talking about it <laughs> because there's no formula there's no um specific way to 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 write the perfect song you know some people have tried to find algorithms and all that stuff and yeah you can get some you can get pretty close to finding a really really cool poppy catchy tune um but who knows i mean i've always believed that there's a lot of uh human of the human element attached to a performance um same thing there's there's some people that just own a song there's performers that just own a specific composition and i'm not i don't mean it's necessarily the composer playing it but there are just people that connect to that specific um 
composition that and they've kind of like record the quintessential version of that song so that's another thing you know writing something that 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 you may find if you're not the, the one performing it i mean this is one of the good things about having conviction about the work that you're doing that you're going to perform it in a way that you're that it's convincing to the listener as well you did it with a purpose Part of the issue that I find sometimes with having to record or have sidemen, you know, or session musicians necessarily record a song is that they may not be as into the song, you know. But some of the some of the sessions, some of the great session players, they're just they tend to be kind of musical chameleons in the sense that they really just find everything that's cool about a song within a song. Um, so being able to kind of do that, you know, being able to be surrounded by musicians that are able to, to, to take your song and take, make it their own and take it to the next level is great. You know, cause you, sometimes you may have, you may find a composition that's really good and, um, it just happens that it was performed poorly or pe the people didn't get the idea of what it is that, that you were trying to express. And so as a composer, if you're bringing your song to a group, make sure you get what you want to get out of it so either that means that you're opening to each musician giving their own um and making the song their own meaning that once you go and play with a different group the song may sound slightly different the feel or or everything the emotions behind it um but that's that's up to you to decide as a composer i think one of the things that steve asked uh is how specific do you get with, with with what you write for a musician and i guess it all depends on i you know i responded to the question but like the short answer is like it all depends on if you're getting what you want out of that composition from the musicians that, that are playing it if you feel compelled to tell somebody listen that's not working at all i want you to try something else then it always helps to actually give them give people direction on what it is you know i mean some some composers like to talk a lot about the emotion and another one is just want the musician to come up with what it is and they're cool with whatever they come up with they they're it's another way to let a a, a performance or a, sorry a composition grow into something more like i said i like i like giving a little bit of uh, freedom to the musicians that are playing the composition because my approach has always been as i mentioned of melding with a group of people and coming up with something unique together you know um and i don't know that's a personality trait i don't know what it is but in any case so one thing too that's kind of related to that um and especially in this day and age is is i like to 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 call it thinking like a producer so one thing that i love about listening to like well-crafted pop albums is that there's a lot of little things that happen throughout records that only happen once and but they serve a purpose. They're not, they're not random. They're not, you know, usually that's why I mentioned specifically pop and well-crafted because that usually means that they spend time actually crafting the song or the performance or anything 
related to it to create something. And you can create that within jazz, absolutely. I think I think if if there's a fault that jazz musicians tend to have because of, of the ability of, of the minimum uh, technicality it takes to play jazz, you know, we we can get carried away and play too many notes sometimes. Um, and if the if the song don't get me wrong, if the song calls for it, absolutely do it. But I think it's cool to be able to think like a producer in the sense of you're looking as a performer within somebody's song and both as a composer indicating what you want the musicians to play in the song, you should have a good idea of what you think works and not, kind of how I mentioned before, but then thinking of it in the in the big picture. So saying like, you know, sometimes I find myself with, you know, the group that I work with the most with my own compositions are La Lucha, and these are guys that I've known for years, and I have the freedom to... to Sometimes tell Mark like, "Hey, don't 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 hit this nail on this part here, or don't, or to tell John, hey, don't you know, don't play that rhythm there, or or you know, and they're very cool with it, you know, because they understand that I have something in my head, and that's the the hardest thing. I think that when you work on a composition, it's all natural to you. It comes from your own head. So it's yeah, I've I've been in situations where I think like, oh, yeah, this is a really simple tune that I just wrote." <laughs> And then I bring it to a rehearsal and, you know, some guys are struggling to read through it or play it. And, and then I realize like, okay, it sounds simple because I came up with it. You know, it, it all came from here. So it, my ears already understand it. I can't assume that everybody's going to hear it the same way. So, um, you know, being descriptive with what you want is good. Again, if you just want a very specific thing, just write it out and have hire a musician that can play it you know uh but if you're if you want also to have the liberty to to if you want to allow the liberty to other musicians to do what to do their thing on it i think uh also allow that space so don't be overbearing with those musicians but you know as a composer i guess you if it's your baby you do what you want to do with it you know that there's no <laughs> you know there's composers in history that are there were curmudgeons and and they're just like well were difficult to get along with and all that stuff but they got what they wanted and you know there were all the guys that were like yeah man do your thing so there's no right or wrong way um to doing that but um really kind of the 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 the, the whole idea is that you want to create this out that you want to create and, oh and kind of finishing the idea of thinking like a producer not only from the perspective of what is going to be played but how this how the sound is going to be so choosing an instrument that's going to be played so in a, in a sense you're kind of working more like an arranger at that point uh, which is a close connection um, I mentioned in, in one of the in the first part of the series that I like to kind of write the basic skeleton of the song and then go back and arrange it uh, once I'm once the, the the tune sounds like a tune, I like to go and rearrange it, if if anything, you know, um, and being so that kind of is borderline there between like being kind of a producer, arranger, and you're kind of doing all these things. Um, but the beauty of that process is that you can create something more unique. Um, you know, again, technology, we have like a million keyboards available to us through like software and all of these different things. And so if you have a, somebody that plays 
keyboards, you can create a bunch of different sounds. You know, for, for basses, I like to use effects on the bass a lot just to create that and, and, and use those possibilities. So kind of orchestrate things a little bit differently. Um, you know, we, we did our, our last, our second to last album, it's called Palante, which is kind of the more produced one that we did. And we use a lot of synthesizers. And we did that purposely because we wanted to kind of get away from the traditional piano trio sound. Um, so there were a, a, a lot of things that as composers, we were, we were also arranging and doing all these different things. So that was a lot of fun to work on. Um, but then we also, the, the song that I just played earlier, the juego was from that same album. So we have kind of the more traditional acoustic stuff as well as a contrast. So to me, it's all about variety and using your influences and, and to say what you want to say as a composer. Um, Again, the first part of this, if, if you skip straight to this part, you know, dives a little bit uh, more specifically into some stuff that I kind of mentioned in passing here or reference. So watch that one if, you're, if you've gone this far in this one without <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, it, it really is just write as much as you can. And that, that's the way you're going to develop your sound, you know, and, and it's like practice. Anything, anything that you do, the more you do, the better you get at it. And, um, you know, that's, that's the basic gist of that. You know, I, I, I could ramble on for another 45 minutes about little, other little things that you can do, but really just kind of, I think, who was it? Uh, somebody asked Bob Mincer, it's like, how do you write music? And you just say, oh, just put the pen on the paper. <laughs> simple as that right uh yeah just get started with it do it if you're scared that somebody's not gonna like it well too bad yeah who, who cares you know, it's it's your music it's your you're doing with the music what you want to do and you bring it to somebody you know at whatever stage you are you know uh rufus reed famously you know i think did he i can't remember if he actually won a grammy or not for a composition but uh that he did somewhat recently but after years of being you know one of the most on-demand bassists and sidemen he just decided to get into composition and he wrote a beautiful piece which was like I, I you know i may be misquoting this but i think it was like his first like big band uh composition he had ever done and i think at the very least he was nominated for a grammy or a big award um so i don't have my facts in front of me but at least i'm not claiming to be completely correct but i know it was something remarkable it was something that that really was kind of like oh okay <laughs> he dove in a little bit late but he did it the right way um and of course again as a sideman he was able to work with all these incredible composers that were writing this amazing music you know so then you bring that experience you know every time i play a, a song i like i'm like oh i feel inspired to create something you're not imitated necessarily, but it, it gives me a certain emotion that wants me, you know, if it's something that I haven't really emoted before in, in music, I try to do that. Which brings me to styles, um, you know, kind of going back to my roots and all that stuff. And I think that that's also a really cool thing. We have, you know, we're, we're not bound by, we're only bound by what, whatever we, whatever, uh, wall we put 
put in front of ourselves in terms of what we can write in terms of like is it a jazz tune is it a vocal tune is it a pop tune is it a funk tune is it a heavy metal song like you know i to me personally once i purposely try to stop writing hip jazz music <laughs> Not that I ever wrote, ever think I wrote ever hip jazz music, but you know, I would revise and revise stuff. It's like, oh, I want to make this sound super hip, you know, like, oh, this piano player is going to complain about this vanilla chord that I wrote here. It's like, you know what? This is, this is what's coming out of me. I tweaked a few things, but for the most part, I try to just write the music that comes out of my soul, my heart or you know even if it's a theory based and just try to make it purposeful make it mean something and make it you know you'd be surprised how many times the audience will um will understand it even if it's the song they've never heard before um i've had that experience a couple of times i'm, I'm very very happy to have had that experience where to play a song that somebody from the audience came and said like, oh, that, that was such a cool tune. What was that? And they said like, oh, it's something I wrote. And then they're like, bass players write music? Uh, no, just, you know, uh, it's always bass players jokes. I'm not going to get into that. But um, there's uh, there's that. I mean, that, that and to me, yes, that's validation. You know, a lot of the times we don't write for the, you know, we write for ourselves, but... I'm not gonna lie. I like it when people say they like my music. You know, <laughs> just my human nature. I could pretend and say like, "Well, I don't care if you like it or not." I mean, you know, by the same token, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a, you know, if somebody tells me, "Man, that really kind of sucked," then I'm like, "Well, you know, you can't please everybody." So, I'll take I'll take the positive comments and and do with them what I you know, what I want to do with them. And same thing with the negative comments. In the end, I said what I wanted to say, whether people liked it or not. That being said, I think that's all I have to say right now. <laughs> well, that's a lot of good stuff to say, Alejandro. Hey, so I got, I got a few ideas to throw your way and just get your feedback on them. Yes. You've got me thinking in terms of sort of like group collaboration and composition and you know you have that experience with la lucha and mm -hmm. with others but you know more immediately with la lucha i guess and so of the of the pieces you have you have composed together um are are there are there pieces that were not too heavily structured or influenced by any one of you and if there were how was then the piece ultimately created um, that's kind of the one thing is sort of what was that process together where any, any one of you didn't too heavily influence it. So you needed that, you needed really something from each of you there to make it. And then the other part is I kind of trying to make some analogies to just like group, group projects, group settings with people. When you work with people, a lot of times you have an idea that you immediately want to dismiss because you're just not feeling it or you have mm -hmm. some preconceived set that, that that's no way that works. And I'm just wondering, that has to happen in in a musical sort of collaboration where your, your initial instinct is you just don't like it, you're not feeling it, you don't see it as a big picture. Has that happened to you? And, and then have you been surprised with 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 trying to keep, keep with trying to keep investing in that, keeping an open in mind and, and running with it. How does that work? 
Yes, it, it is actually pretty difficult uh, because, you know, the, that's why you can get a room with the best four musicians on each one of their instruments, the, you know, consider the four best in the world, you may still get crappy music. Um, because it can, I mean, I, I wouldn't say crappy music, but it may not be as compelling as if you get four guys that are completely, or, you know, women or guys, you know, uh, that are just open to creating together, you know, to, to be able to say, and, and, and yes, to, to answer kind of the question directly about La Lucha, sometimes I, you know, my, at the beginning specifically, I had kind of an idea of, of what I wanted our music to sound like. And, and perhaps I was the more, the more forceful one of the three of us to kind of say like, don't do that. Or, you know, especially with John, you know, because John came from a completely different background. You know, Mark and I played with a bunch of like garage bands growing up and all that stuff. So we kind of knew the whole collective, let's write a song together and play the same song for eight hours. And, you know, whereas John came from a much more structured world, you know, because he was classically trained from an early age. So he was kind of like, how do you jam, you know? And John, you know, being a doctor in neuroscience, he has a brilliant mind, but he, he, he just, his, his perception of what we were trying to do was, was different. You know, he, he was trying to do certain things and I would tell him like, avoid the obvious, avoid trying to do exactly what a pianist would do here. Try to think about it this way or something like that. And sometimes he, John usually is very receptive to stuff like that. Um, so I'm very lucky in that sense, you know, that I had two guys that were willing to put up with me, um, you know, and, and same thing with Mark, Mark, you know, Mark, Mark and I are always very in tune with each other's ideas. And with John too, now, after so many years of playing, we've, we've known each other very well. So we've, we've come up, we've had a, a couple of sets in some, in some settings where it was acceptable, where we actually did completely improvised music. And it was pretty cool. Some good things happened where we were just kind of like, you know, maybe sometimes I would, I would call out a route to John. So like, Oh, go to C here uh, without telling him the quality of the chord. And the cool thing for him is like, okay, I'm forcing him to go to this chord, at least with this route. But then he could decide if the chord was going to be minor, major, you know, altered, diminished, whatever. He could decide what he wanted to make that chord. So at least we're both, I'm playing the foundation. He's playing something on top of it and it works well. Um, and yes, I mean, in terms of trying to write a song together, it's it's kind of hard. Um, I, I I haven't really done it as much, other than like collective improvisation. I, well, actually, on our last record, there's a song that we we kind of wrote together. Mark wrote the bulk of it, but it was I think one of the first true kind of collaborations that we did. Um, I mean, we always have input into each other's stuff, but. This one was kind of Mark is a blues for Houston person, um, and Mark brought the bulk of the of the song. He had kind of an A section, and um, deceptively, if not, it's not really a blues. <laughs> it's bluesy, but we call it blues for Houston person, and it was obviously dedicated to Houston person, and he brought that idea, and then I said like, hey, let's let's tweak it. Let's. Uh, I think this ending sounds too similar to this. Let me let me come up with an idea. So I came I came up with like a couple of different ending phrases and kind of a, 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 
a melodic thing to take us onto the bridge, which the bridge was completely open and improvised. And that's kind of where John kind of stepped in and said like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to play this on the bridge, on the improvised bridge. Let's play these chords. So it was kind of like, uh, uh, we all trusted that we were going to take the right choices. And I think it just, that, that kind of happened when we were kind of trying to tune for the first time. I said, looked over at John and said like, Hey, let's go to this kind of like what I was refer uh, referring to earlier. But yeah, a lot of the times you're going to find people that are not open to your suggestions at all, you know, and, and, and that, that's sometimes you just got to read the room in, in a sense, you know, I, 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 I tend to get pretty involved with, with the creative process in certain situations. So I have to, I love getting involved in the creative process, but I figure out that some people don't want me to do that. <laughs> some people just want me to play their, to play bass and shut up. Um, and you know, so I, I don't, I never do it because I think I have the right idea or a, be, a better idea or anything. I, sometimes I just do it because I just, I just love it. I just, I just, sometimes I get into that mentality of like, oh yeah, and I'm hearing this thing and I'm hearing this here. Like I suggest and then, you know, sometimes people take it. Sometimes people just ignore it and say, or, or just simply say like, yeah, I don't, I don't that's not where I hear this, the tune going, you know? Um, but yeah, I think the key in a situation like that is to be, uh, you know, read the room and say, okay, well, there's no, there's not a lot of room. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, this is, this is what I'm going to do on this. And, um, but then once, once you have that opportunity to be with people that are completely open to that, um, to your suggestions and, and, and all of that, it's beautiful. You know, we, we did a gig, um, we played a lot with James Suggs and, um, when we were, he helped us kind of fine tune some of the songs for the last album. And, uh, also Daniel Jordan, who's over in the Orlando area, great, great sax player. And those guys are like, so cool because they're, they're, they just let us do whatever underneath them. And they just know where to go with us. You know, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's just, let's just do this. Okay, cool. You know? But, you know, sometimes the gig, sometimes you're able to do that, sometimes you're not. So uh, that's kind of the, the, the long answer is, yes, you do experience that situation sometimes of like, we're in like a group setting where, you, where not everybody is um, open to that or willing to put their weight <laughs> when asked to do that. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a musicians are artists are uh strange people <laughs> i don't think you're strange alejandra <laughs> it's the haircut yeah it's the haircut it's looking good today though so no that, that was a great feedback and good insight you know it's definitely a it's definitely a challenging thing to do but you know obviously it's the creative process man and and uh you know you got to invest in it and just like anything i guess it's it's all about relationships right at the end of the day you know exactly so you just got to feed off of that and um you guys you, for, for that matter you know like uh, an example i like always like to use you know you always see musicians like to this cause like some musicians like to this cause like oh you know like this drummer is better than this drummer or whatever you know very passionate about it you know people always say like oh yeah you know ringo was an awful drummer like you know I, i'm like <laughs> okay well imagine keith moon or John Bonham playing with the Beatles. It's like, right. he's the wrong guy. You know, you just got to have the right person for the job. And that's exactly the right personality. And that, all that stuff counts, you know, and jazz too. The, the famous 
some of those famous groups, you know, Elvin Jones with John Coltrane and, and, you know, those guys that were kind of unorthodox in their approach, but they just found that, 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 you know, that group where, where they're, they flourished. I mean, and Elvin was a fantastic drummer, but, you know, I've heard stories of people that said like, oh, it wasn't the easiest drummer to play with because of his approach, but he had a very specific thing that he wanted to do. Same thing with Coltrane. Um, and that's why those guys found each other. And that's what, you know, the famous quote, uh, the PG version of it is that, you know, somebody asked Elvin Jones, like, how do you guys do that? How do you, you know, how how do you guys play that music to how do you create that music together and then elvin just said you just got to be dealing with to die with the mf <laughs> <laughs> that's that was that was that was his quote he's just got to more or less you know you just got to be it's trust trusting each other it's yeah no that's 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 a lot of it right yeah so i really appreciate you uh being part of this again today it was another really great session Thank and you. wanted to remind everybody that you're going to be back with us on Tuesday, September 29th for a second part of the arranging series. Fun with arranging part two is what we're calling it, but we're all looking forward to that. And so um, for those of you newer to these sessions, all of the upcoming sessions and the links to join those sessions are accessible at clearwaterjazz.com slash education. It's the education and outreach section. There are Zoom links to join the live sessions. Oftentimes the guest musicians will have session materials or recommended listening links to like Spotify, our Spotify channel. And then after the fact, the sessions are archived in the studio. This session will be in the studio very soon or on the Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions podcast. So please check them out. Um, there's a lot of wonderful stuff and a lot of wonderful musicians and educators sharing their um, wisdom, their gift, their talents, and their experience with us all. So Alejandro, on behalf of Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation, thanks for being part of this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh, everybody out there, stay safe, be well, keep playing, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. This podcast series is presented by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. To watch the video of this full session, please visit the Education and Outreach page at clearwaterjazz.com and click on the studio. You can also learn more about the annual Clearwater Jazz Holiday Music Festival tradition and Clearwater Jazz Holiday's year-round education and outreach at clearwaterjazz.com.